The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Living Natural Today, out with toxins, in with your health. Your host is Teresa Jungling. Although not a doctor, Teresa's extensive research enabled her to take control of her health after unexplainable health symptoms began taking a toll on her life. What Teresa has learned and what will be discussed with experts on today's show will undoubtedly help you too. Join us now for an hour that could quite literally change your life. Now, here's Teresa. Hello and welcome to Living Natural Today, Out with Toxins, In with Your Health, where we come every Wednesday to share resources for minimizing toxins in order to live a healthier lifestyle. I'm your host, Teresa Jungling, and I'm excited to be here with you today. I'm someone who's passionate about toxins in our food, environment, personal care products, homes, and more because they've harmed my own health, and I want to inform you so you don't go down the same road that I did. So today we have an exciting show for you with some great guests. We're going to be talking all things organic with Dr. Jessica Shade of the Organic Center and Gwendolyn Wired of the Organic Trade Association. Dr. Jessica Shade is the Director of Science Programs at the Organic Center, where she leads projects associated with communicating and conducting science supporting the benefits of organic. In addition to scientific research, Dr. Shade is interested in creative approaches to conducting, disseminating, and communicating environmental research. And Gwendolyn Wired has been actively working in the organic industry for 17 years. She serves as the Regulatory Director of Organic Standards and Food Safety for the Organic Trades Association. In this capacity, she works on the development of policy strategy through regulatory engagement in the interest of the OTA's mission and its members. So thank you both for coming on the show. I'm so excited to have you. Uh, This show is about minimizing toxins and in an area that I'm, um, unfortunately, is a large area that has toxins as food today. Um, But I believe that the toxins can be minimized fairly easily if we are um, shopping organic, if we know what to look for. And I'm a big supporter of organic because I've seen the difference it's made in my own health. And I recommend eating organic to my audience. However, I, I, I realize that not everyone understands the organic label. So I'm excited to have both of you on to discuss that. And we want to clear up some misconceptions that might be out there. So it's a huge topic. So let's go ahead and, and jump right in. So um, first off, if, if each of you and um, Jessica, if you'd like to go first, if you could each tell us about yourself and, and why you're in this field and, and what your organization does. Sure. So thank you so much for having me on today. Um, it's great to be here. I work for the Organic Center, and our mission is to convene credible evidence-based science on the environmental and health benefits of organic food and farming, and then communicate those findings to the public. So what we do is um, we really look at research that's being done all over the world and then communicate that with the people who need to hear about that research to make decisions about their own personal lifestyle or if it's communicating to farmers um, so that they can make management changes. And we also collaborate with universities 
um, and governmental institutions to conduct research that fills gaps in our knowledge. So anytime we come across um, an area that doesn't have research getting done on it that affects organic, we reach out to researchers who are experts in that field so that we can create research in that area. Okay, great. Great. Thank you. And Gwen? Sure. Um, So I'm the regulatory director of the Organic Trade Association, and um, our mission is to promote and protect organic trade to benefit um, the environment, farmers, the public, and the economy. So the Organic Trade uh, Association envisions organic products becoming a significant part of everyday life, enhancing people's lives and the environment. Um, so we're representing businesses um, across the supply chain, and we're addressing um, all things organic, including food, uh, textiles, personal care products, and, and new sectors as they develop. Um, we have um, uh, a number of different ways that we are protecting organic and pr- promoting organic. We have our um, policy office in Washington, D.C. We do a lot of heavy lifting, a lot of work for making sure that we have appropriations in the Farm Bill to support organic um, uh, my particular job is to monitor the organic regulations and, and make sure that all of our members are aware of any changes that might happen and, and in turn make sure that, um, that the USDA understands how any uh, of those changes will impact organic trade. Um, we've got a number of different um, programs and projects that we're all working on. Um, in terms of how I got involved, um, I knew early on that um, protecting soil was uh, the most important resource that I wanted to protect and, and I really was through a, a process of many years of, of getting out and, and I started to uh, farm organically and then I became an organic inspector and had an opportunity to travel all over the U.S. and see how the organic regulations were being applied and how they were really helping to um, not only build people's lives but to build the soil and protect the soil and, and so that really led to my further interest um, in finding work that would positively impact organic policy and the growth of organic acreage and food products. So here I am today, I think, in a great position with the Organic Trade Association to do just that. Right, right. Oh, that sounds fabulous. So um, I want to dig in now into the organic standards and um, get into some of the numbers and the facts when it comes to organic. So, uh, Gwen, could you give us a definition of organic? Sure. Um, First, I just want to say that it's a huge deal that we have a definition, and it's actually a definition that is codified in the federal regulations, and that's really what sets us apart from from many other labels out there. Um, Generally speaking, the term organic describes products that are um, produced and certified in accordance with the specific requirements that are detailed in the United States Department of Agriculture's organic regulations. But the actual definition, and it's one that I absolutely love, and it's one that we can we can never separate ourselves from, but it, it's a system that responds to site-specific conditions by integrating cultural, biological, and mechanical practices that foster cycling of resources, promote ecological balance, and conserve biodiversity. And I say again, that is the definition that's in the, the federal regulations. So, you know, we've come a long ways. Right, right, definitely. Um does that definition change at all when you, in regards to, to meat and dairy or even, you know, your textiles and, and clothing, things like that? Oh, right, right, yeah. So it's not that they change so much, but that in addition to the general requirements, um, there are specific requirements that apply to crop production, to livestock production, and handling or processing of products once they, they leave the farm and before they arrive to the store shelf. Um, 
just at a, at a very quick kind of a one, two, three. So at the farm level, um, organic mm-hmm. food is produced without using toxic pesticides and without fertilizers that are made with, with synthetic or petroleum-based ingredients. And there's an emphasis that's placed on biodiversity, natural plant nutrition, and natural pest management. Um, for livestock, the, the requirements for organic meat, poultry, eggs, and, and dairy products, um, they have to come from animals that are fed only organic feed. Um, antibiotics and growth hormones are strictly prohibited. Um, all certified livestock must have access to the outdoors um, and pasture. Animals are a ruminant, like dairy. Um, so the regulations break down you know, from there even into more specific requirements, depending on whether you're talking poultry or dairy. Um, and then for companies that are handling or processing organic food before it gets to the supermarket or the restaurant, it also must be certified and meet um, composition standards depending on how the product is, is labeled. And I'm happy to address that um, further. But um, I'll also add that in all of the cases, in terms of general requirements, um, sewage sludge, GMOs, and ionizing radiation, they're strictly prohibited across the board. And any product that's labeled organic um, must be inspected and certified to make sure that they're following all the rules necessary to, to meet the USDA organic standards. Okay, great. And that's, um, I'm glad you mentioned about the, the sewage sludge and the, the um, GMOs and things like that, because that when I go on the USDA um, organic website, that's the, those are t- some of the things that they do mention on there too. Um, and I do want to get into the labeling too, um, a little bit into the discussion. So um, back into the numbers a little bit. Can you give us an estimate of how many organic farmers are in the U.S.? Yeah, sure. Um, I think there's, um, for, for U.S. organic farms, ranches, and businesses, um, there's uh, approximately 18,500. Um, there's an additional 3,240 farms that are transitioning um, to organic across all 50 states. Um, and that's, those are stats according to, to the USDA National Organic Program. Um, according to the 2012 U.S. Census of, of Agriculture, there were 12,771 organic farms um, certified in 2012 um, with an additional 3,754 organic farms that, um, that were exempt from certification, so falling you know, under the uh, $5,000 um, level. So, um, but yeah, 18500 um, is what we're looking at um, approximately. Okay. Okay. Great. Um, and then, who does the certifying of the organic standards at the farms? Sure. Yeah. So certification is it's carried out by um, third-party certifying agencies that are uh, accredited by the USDA National Organic Program. The certifiers can be private or state entities, but under all conditions, they have to apply to USDA and they have to be qualified to carry out the certification process. Um, so folks out there may have heard of Oregon Tilt or CCOF or QAI. There's certifiers across the United States, and they certify to the USDA organic standards. So there's one standard in the United States and many certifiers that carry out the certification provided they're accredited by USDA. And then each certifier, uh, much like the certified operations, are inspected by certifiers. Each certifier is audited and inspected by USDA to ensure that they're uh, qualified and, and competent. Okay. Okay, great. And then um, can you address the cost of becoming an organic farmer, what the um, main cost would be the to be certified? The certification cost. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah the, the price is going 
kind of vary depending on the size of the operation, um, as well as the certifying agency that, that's being used. Um, ballpark, though, in general, organic certification uh, costs can run between a few hundred to several thousand dollars. A, a small farm or a small processor is usually going to fall somewhere between $300 and $1,200, and that, that includes an application fee, a site inspection fee, and then the annual certification fee. That's, that's generally the breakdown. Um, but then also I'll mention that once you're certified, there is a, a USDA organic uh, certification cost share program that can reimburse eligible operations um, up to 75% of their certification costs. Mm. Okay. I wasn't aware of that. Um, how often are audits done on the farms? Um, every year, um, every USDA accredited certifying agency, um, they must conduct annual inspections of all certified clients and of all location sites. Um, they may also conduct unannounced inspections on a portion of all their clients each year. So the inspections um, verify through on-site review of acti- activities as well as uh, corresponding records that the operations are in compliance with the re- relevant organic standards. But it is an annual inspection at least. Okay. Okay. And then if they, are there penalties for non-compliance? Yeah, there's certainly penalties for, for non-compliance. Um, the penalties, the, the way the um, penalties work is they're based on the seriousness of the violation. So in cases of minor correctable violations, um, ones that, that, that don't impact the integrity of the organic product, like record keeping, for example, mm-hmm. a certified organic operation would need to um, correct. They'd have to adjust their management and they'd have to undergo an additional inspection to verify that the, the change had been implemented. Um, if an operation were to spray a prohibited material on an organic crop, um, or even if there was uh, uh, incidental, uh, an accidental spray, um, that also would result in noncompliance. But in that case, um, they would lose their certification um, on the impacted land, and it would then need to go through at least a, a three-year transition period before it could be certified again. Um, when we're dealing with um, egregious willful violations, um, the operation would be subject to um, likely be subject to civil penalties from USDA, and they could even be um, prosecuted for federal fraud charges. Um, so it's, and just to be clear, in terms of the, the civil penalties, you know, it's the it's the federal oversight of organic production under the National Organic Program under USDA that enforce the organic regulations and that administer um, the appropriate penalties for the for the noncompliances. Okay. Okay. Um, I want to get into the labeling differences because I don't think a lot of people are aware that there are different levels, I guess, of organic from 100% to, you know, 95 to 70%. So can, can you address that difference? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a great question. Um, and I know that it also plays into whether or not the USDA um, seal can be used because that, that, that corresponds with the label cat- category that your products would be certified to. Um, so I'll start by saying that the USDA seal that people see on products, those can be um, placed on products that are either labeled um, in the 100% organic category or the 95% organic category. And that's the um, green and white seal or the black and exactly. white seal, correct? Okay. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the 100% organic products, um, you know, they really are just that. Every ingredient must be 100% organic and any processing aid that's used must be organic. Um, the next level is the 95% organic. Um, so in that case, uh, 95% or more of the product, um, at least 95% must be organic. Um, there's an allowance for 5% non-organic. 
And this category and that 5% uh, non-organic allowance, um, it was designed recognizing that for processed products, there are minor ingredients and processing aids that are necessary that simply aren't available in organic form because they're non-agricultural. So the organic regulations are specific. They certify agricultural products. So there are some minor ingredients and processing aids that can't be certified, um, such as baking soda, um, yeast for making beer, uh, diatomaceous earth, which is used for um, food or juice filtering, um, or nitrogen used for freezing or packaging. These are essential minor ingredients used in processed products that you could not have an organic form of. Um, there's also some minor agricultural ingredients um, that aren't available. There isn't The production isn't there, like Turkish bay leaves or sweet potato starch. Um, in all cases, though, that 5% must be on a national list. There's a closed list that specifies what can be used. If they're agricultural, such as the Turkish bay leaves, you can only use non-organic if organic is not available. Okay. Um, so that, and that's a big distinction with that 5% and the 95% category. The next level is the made with. And in that case, there's at least 70% organic. And then in your 30%, again, it's tied to a very specific list, your non-agricultural minor ingredients, like the baking soda, exactly the same as with the organic category. They have to be on the national list. The difference between the made with and the organic category is, are those non-organic agricultural ingredients allowed in the 30%. You can use non-organic without them being on the list or without them, you know, you don't have to source organic. But in all cases, the non-organic ingredients, processing aids, it must be produced without sewage sludge, GMOs, and ionizing radiations. That general prohibition applies to all non-organic ingredients and then also um, any of the non-organic ingredients that are used that are on the national list, they have to, they were, they went through a very uh, rigorous process to get on the national list, to review by the National Organic Standards Board to ensure that they are non-toxic, that they don't have any environmental, uh, the production doesn't have environment, negative environmental impacts. And then they go through a, a re-review every five years to make sure that there aren't any organic or natural alternatives. Okay. Okay. It looks like, um, thank you for explaining that because that does get confusing for for everyone. Um, but it, it yeah. looks like we're coming close to a break. So we have to take a short break. Um, when we come back, we'll continue to talk to Dr. Jessica Shade and, and Gwendolyn Wire regarding all things organic. And coming up, we're going to talk about the health benefits and, and even um, pesticides that are, are used on products. So um, if you have any questions about organic and you, you would like them answered, please tweet us at, using hashtag LNT radio. And we look forward to talking with you in just a few moments. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Teresa Jungling of Living Natural Today is a fierce advocate for health and wellness. She knows firsthand how one's health can be damaged as a result of toxins, stress, and an unhealthy diet. To learn more about how toxins can impact your health, please visit her website at www.livingnaturaltoday.com. Sign up to receive her free newsletter and, as her gift to you, receive a free guide chock full of useful resources, including links to real food bloggers and recipes, information on organic standards, GMOs, chemicals, recommended safe products, and much more. 
If you are someone who wants to minimize your exposure to toxins in and around your home, or are someone who simply wants to live a more natural and healthy lifestyle, then Living Natural Today's 14-day program to better health is for you. In this 14-day program, you'll receive practical steps and recommendations that'll help root out toxins in your food, home, personal care products, and more. With daily email guidance, videos, and detoxification tips, this program is sure to open your eyes and transform your health. Sign up today at livingnaturaltoday.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Living Natural Today, out with toxins, in with your health. To reach Teresa or her guests on the show, please tweet using hashtag LNT Radio. You may also send an email to radio at livingnaturaltoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi, everyone. I'm Teresa Junglane. Thank you for joining us. I'm back with my guest today, Dr. Jessica Shea from the Organic Center and Gwendolyn Wired from the Organic Trade Association. And in our first segment, we were talking about organic standards and also some facts and numbers when it comes to organic. And now we're going to get into some of the health benefits of choosing organic. But right before we do, um, there is one final question I did want to ask Gwen um, regarding natural versus organic. And I hear, um, I even posed this question, it was probably a few months ago, on my Facebook, um, which is better, organic or natural? And I was shocked at the response I received. So um, if you could please clarify what um, natural is or is not, I would appreciate it. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, and you know, this goes back to when we opened up, and I was talking about the fact that um, organic does have a definition. Um, we have transparent standards, and these standards operations are held to these standards and and and, and verified through a third-party certification system. Um, organic is the only eco-label in the world that is defined in the Code of Federal Regulations and certified through a third-party certification system, which is then also overseen and enforced by the federal government. Um, it's against the law to use the term organic um, on an agricultural product unless the product is certified and every certified product is held to strict, defined, and transparent standards and it's and inspected at least an- annually. Um, natural, on the other hand, um, it may be defined by individual companies, but otherwise there's no federal government definition or accompanying standard um, with the exception of uh, meat and poultry, which is regulated under USDA. The large majority of products out there are, are regulated under FDA. Um, meat and poultry, there are guidelines for labeling meat and poultry products as natural. Um, still, those products are undergoing a, a desk audit, and they're not subject to third-party certification and inspections like organic products are. And the definition in those cases is much more narrowly defined um, but for the large majority of products utilizing natural claims, there is no definition, there is no standard, there is no verification process. Right, right. So thank you for, for clarifying that. Um, okay, now Jessica, I want to um, get to you in regards to some of the health benefits. You've done a lot of great studies as it regard, in regards to organic, and I was wondering if um, you know people feel that they pay a little bit extra for organic, which, um, you know, whatever their views are on that, but does it provide the nutritional value for that? You know, that's a great question. And actually, there was just a recent study 
that came out of Newcastle University, um, which is one of, I think, the most exciting studies to come out this year, that looked at that exact question. And what they found was that organic crops, they found three main things. So number one, organic crops do have higher levels of antioxidants. Two, they have lower levels of toxic metals. And three, they have fewer pesticides. So it's kind of this trifecta of benefits that you can get from organic. So specifically, if you look at the antioxidants side of things, they found that antioxidants, um, they looked at specific antioxidants and they found that the antioxidants in organic were 19 to 69% higher than conventional crops. And those antioxidants have been linked to decreases in chronic diseases such as cardiovascular disease, neurodegenerative disease, um, certain cancers. And so a lot of people, when they think, okay, they looked at specific antioxidants, but what's, what's the big picture? How does that actually impact my diet? So when you take a step back and look at total antioxidant consumption, what their results suggest is that a switch from conventional to organic crop consumption would result in a 20 to 40% increase in antioxidant intake without simultaneously um, eating more food. So the calories are remaining the same. You're getting 20 to 40% more antioxidants. So that means um, that the amount of extra antioxidants you would consume every day by eating the recommended five servings of organic instead of conventional fruit and vegetables would be equal to one to two whole servings of conventional fruits and vegetables. Really? Yeah. That, that's great. So in other words, is organic worth it? Yes, definitely. Yes. definitely. Yeah, and that doesn't <laughs> even touch on the benefits when it comes to avoiding pesticides. Right, right. And I do want to get into that. Um, can you just touch briefly on um, when it comes to meat and dairy? I know that... Um, if they're, they're grass-fed or out on pasture, there is a nutritional benefit to that, too. Are you able to touch on that? Yeah, and that's exactly right. So um, another study that just came out last year showed that organic dairy has a better nutritional profile when it comes to omega fatty acids. So what the paper showed was that organic dairy has higher omega-3 fatty acids and lower omega-6 fatty acids than conventional milk. And um, that's important because you want a high omega-3, low omega-6 diet so that you can um, live a more healthy life. And it also, high omega-6s can cause inflammation. So this can decrease a lot of the diseases that are brought about by inflammation. Okay. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, yeah, so let's, yeah, I know you had mentioned before about the pesticides um, sprayed on conventional products. Um, can you speak to that and also um, also to the fact that I sometimes get questions, well, pesticides can just be washed off, can't they? And no. <laughs> yep. So, so can, you, can you please address that? <laughs> so pesticides are made to not be washed off. I mean, they're put on the plants and the plants have to um, withstand and rain. They have to be out there in the sun. So the pesticides are designed to stay on the plants. And um, also, 
some pesticides can actually be absorbed by the plants. So that means that um, the skin of the fruit or vegetable isn't necessarily stopping the pesticide from getting into the flesh of that fruit or vegetable. So that's another thing that I'm constantly hearing is, oh, I buy, organ- I buy organic except when I have to peel the fruit like bananas or oranges. Then I buy conventional. And that is actually a myth. And there are some pesticides that are just starting to get used and becoming really popular that can actually go systemic through the whole plant. So one of those pesticides is called, um, it's a class of pesticides called neonicotinoids. And it's a water-soluble pesticide that can be absorbed so thoroughly by the plant that um, for some uses, you don't even have to spray it directly on the plant. You can just treat the seeds, and then when you plant those seeds, the entire plant that grows out of the seeds will have that pesticide inside of it. So every part of the plant will have traces of that pesticide. And what's really scary about that is that's starting to get used um, really heavily in fields like citrus to combat citrus greening, which is kind of a hot topic issue. It's a disease that's been wiping out large quantities of citrus groves. Um, And one of the control methods in conventional agriculture is neonicotinoid sprays. So a lot of people get worried about that because since that spray is water-soluble, they worry that it can be, um, that it, it isn't getting stopped by the skin of the fruit. Really? Really? Yeah. And, um, and there are all kinds of um, health risks associated with pesticide exposure. And there was even a president's cancer panel a few years ago that suggested avoiding foods produced with pesticides to decrease cancer risks. And it's even more important for pregnant women and children to avoid pesticides because they can have a disproportionate adverse effect on the developing immune system. Right, right. It's it's so scary what's going on out there. So, right. And as you talk about this, um, I guess the next question I, I do want to ask is, because you sort of touched on it briefly, or, or we leading into it is um, genetically modified foods. So can you, can you give just a short answer of what GMOs are? I will have another show that's going to totally dedicate to GMOs, but if you could just give a short answer, that'd be great. Sure. I'll actually pass it on to Gwendolyn. Um, okay. She deals with sure. a lot in those definitions. Great. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that you're going to have another show. On yeah, <laughs> there, it's a whole topic in its own. Yeah. So, I, you know, what I'll do is I'll I'll give you the definition that's in the organic regulations um, because that is one place where there is again an actual definition, um, and and it's a variety of methods um, that are used to genetically modify organisms or influence their growth um, and development by means that are not possible under natural conditions. Um, and they're not considered compatible with organic production. Um, it's, it would be viewed more as a, as a synthetic process. As I've explained, the organic uh, regulations are about using natural processes. Um, so uh, traditional plant breeding, for example, 
um, would be acceptable, but taking one gene from, you know, from one organism and um, taking it out and, and moving it into another organism where that would, would never happen under natural conditions, that would be considered a genetically modified organism. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Great. Um, and I know that uh, GMOs are not, as you mentioned earlier, allowed in the standards for organic. Um, can I just ask a quick question about um, the non-GMO project verified label? Because I always mention to people it's best to, you know, it, if organic is the best, but if you can have both of those labels, that's even that's even better. So can can you address the uh, why maybe organic food should also have the non-GMO label food? Label on it. Sure, sure. I, and I maybe you know just to, to back up a moment for you know the the, the non-GMO um, verification, the non-GMO verified label that you see. Um, you know what that does is it, it basically products that have that that seal or that logo on it. Um, it means that the high risk ingredients um, such as corn or soy that have been um, that are being used, they've been tested and they're and they meet a certain tolerance level. Mm-hmm. And then from there, um, the, the project, uh, the non-GMO project, they require traceability and segregation practices to be followed um, to ensure that the ingredient maintains the GMO status, status you know, up to the finished product. So, you know, the question comes is that to us all the time, and it's been actually one of the, um, the, the most popular questions that I've received over the last couple month, months, and our membership has been weighing in with, with great concern over this topic as to... Um, you know, if if organic by definition means non-GMO, which it does, mm-hmm. um, you know, why do why do some brands have the non-GMO verified label? Um, and it's a question that many shoppers have. So, um, you know, I want to reiterate that organic does mean non-GMO, and it means a whole lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, the main concern that with this growing presence of the non-GMO claim is that consumers might be confused and lose sight of the meaning of organic. Because um, importantly, non-GMO does not mean organic. Right. Um, you know, the organic label means that it, the product has been produced without the use of GMOs, and that um, does include, um, you know, segregation, traceability, um, all of the things that are required under the the non-GMO project are also required under the organic standards. Um, there are different verification tools that are used. So under the organic regulation, the organic label relies more heavily um, on on-site inspections as a verification tool to make sure that products are non-GMO, whereas the non-GMO project has additional testing measures under their standards. Um, but both standards equally do mean non-GMO. Mm-hmm. Um, so our position is that uh, USDA organic certification is sufficient to substantiate a non-GMO claim. And we, in fact, recommend the term uh, non-GMO specifically or other similar terms be used, um, you know, in addition, if you want to have the organic label on there as well. Um, we certainly also support companies that decide to offer additional verification to consumers, and I think that's where the non-GMO project comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, their verification on product, products that are not organic, that's a fantastic place for that verification Um, But for companies who want to uh, have that additional verification and offer that to consumers, um, you'll see both of those, both of those labels. But it's a huge topic and I really invite um, people to, um, to go to our website. We've been, um, we've recently created a a resource toolkit that can help retailers and suppliers 
communicate what non-GMO means under the organic standards and remind everybody that it also means so much more. It's not just non-GMO. Right, right. And that's definitely, I try to um, let people know that too, because cause it is, it does get confusing out there. But um, yeah. I always say organic is the best if you can find that label. Um, and then the, the non-GMO one after that. Um, I do want to get into pesticides a little bit. Now, how, how do organic crops, how, how do they uh, deal with weed control? And this is for either one of you. Sure, sure, absolutely. Um, so with, um, I guess asking more specifically if, if uh, in terms of the pesticides for organic. So I, I, look, organic producers, um, they have to develop and implement a preventative pest management plan. And so it's only after this plan has failed that uh, organic farms can use approved pest and disease control materials. So what that means is that there's a requirement that is outlined that requires uh, biological control materials such as predatory wasps or neem oil is used before using approved non-toxic uh, synthetic substances. Um, all of the synthetic substances that are used by organic producers, again, they must be scrutinized and approved by the National Organic Standards Board um, prior to allowance in organic uh, production. Um, and all pest control materials that are used by um, organic producers are also considered um, tolerance-exempt by EPA, which is their least toxic uh, classification. Okay, okay so those, um, I, I don't even like using the word pesticide because that has a bad connotation to me, but, but what, whatever is used on the organic uh, crops they are fit to, to be on the organic crops. They, they're not going to cause further harm, correct? Or correct. like a pesticide would, right? Correct. Okay. And then also with, um, this is one other question I, I did have about, um, and it looks like we are going to be going to a break here shortly, but um, is there a certain distance that farms have to keep from each other? If, if you're an organic farm, isn't there a buffer between you and the next farm so that the if the, if the other farm's, has pesticides and it's blowing and things like that. It, it, what is the distance there? Do you know? Yeah, there isn't a specific number that's set to that distance, but the distance has to be adequate in order to prevent contamination of the organic crop. Um, so it's really on a case-by-case basis. As you can imagine, with every situation, if you were just to say, you know, it's a 50-foot buffer, that may work perfectly in one situation, but not in another. So that's part of the uh, certification and inspection process is that an organic operation has to have adequate um, buffers, adequate uh, contamination prevention measures in place. And so they'll submit to their certifier and say, this is, you know, we think that 100 feet is adequate. And then the inspector will go out and assess the situation and determine whether 100 feet is adequate. Um, in addition to the actual distance, there are many other measures that organic operations will take in terms of um, having some sort of a, a buffer crop in between um, talking with their neighbors, making sure having there'll be written agreements between neighbors to make sure that they are only spraying on days where the wind is going in the you know opposite or not in the organic farm direction. Um, so it's the end goal is to make sure that contamination prevention happens, and each operation has to come up with a system that makes that work. Okay. Okay, well, it is time for us to take another short break. So we will um, continue our conversation here shortly. Don't go away. Coming up, we're going to talk about some current events in the organic industry. I also want to touch on um, 
the soil benefits too. So you're listening to Living Natural Today, Out With Toxins on Voice America. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. If you are someone who wants to minimize your exposure to toxins in and around your home, or are someone who simply wants to live a more natural and healthy lifestyle, then Living Natural Today's 14-day program to better health is for you. In this 14-day program, you'll receive practical steps and recommendations that will help root out toxins in your food, home, personal care products, and more. With daily email guidance, videos, and detoxification tips, this program is sure to open your eyes and transform your health. Sign up today at livingnaturaltoday.com. Teresa Jungling of Living Natural Today is a fierce advocate for health and wellness. She knows firsthand how one's health can be damaged as a result of toxins, stress, and an unhealthy diet. To learn more about how toxins can impact your health, please visit her website at www.livingnaturaltoday.com. Sign up to receive her free newsletter and, as her gift to you, receive a free guide chock full of useful resources, including links to real food bloggers and recipes, information on organic standards, GMOs, chemicals, recommended safe products, and much more. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Living Natural Today, out with toxins, in with your health. To reach Teresa or her guests on the show, please tweet using hashtag LNT Radio. You may also send an email to radio at livingnaturaltoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back as we continue at Living Natural Today, Out with Toxins, In with Your Health. I'm your host, Teresa Jungling, and I'm here with Dr. Jessica Shade of the Organic Center and Gwendolyn Wired of the Organic Trade Association, and we've been talking all things organic. And I've asked them to join me for uh, this final segment about current events. Um, There's a lot going on in the organic industry, but before we get to that, I do want to ask Jessica about... um, the organic soil and the uh, nutritional value or if there's more minerals and vitamins and and things like that in the soil because I did have a question emailed to me about that. Oh, sure. So there was actually um, a recent study in a journal named Science. This is one of the foremost journals in the scientific field, and so it's kind of succinctly named Science. (laughs) And it compared organic and conventional soils And it showed that organic soils were vastly superior to conventional. So they had greater biological activity, um, more soil stability, more biomass, higher diversity um, than conventionally managed soils. So specifically, they looked, when they were looking at roots, they found that 40% more roots on organic farms were colonized by mycorrhizae. Um, which are fungus that helps plants absorb nutrients. So they kind of act as roots extensions, um, giving plants greater access to nutrients and making them more resilient to drought. Um, They also found that earthworms were 
between 1.5 and 3 times higher in organic soils. And earthworms aerate the soil to help break down organic matter, making minerals available to growing plants. Um, They also found that arthropod density, so things like um, insects, spiders, was almost two times higher in organic soils. Um, And those are important pest predators. So the um, arthropods in the soil can actually control pests, and they can also be indicators of soil fertility. Um, There's also higher microbial diversity in organic soils, which is important for nutrient cycling. So basically, in conclusion, um, organic soils have a lot more benefits um, than soils that are managed conventionally. Okay. Going back to the the statement that is or the question is organic worth it? Yes, it is worth yeah. it. So, <laughs> for that too, is there? Um, and this might be a question for Gwen actually. Um, how long does a, a farm have to um, be pesticide free before becoming organic? Is there so many years that it has to be before becoming a, an official organic farm? Yeah, there's a three year required transition period, and and so that's the from the time if an operation has used a prohibited material, there would be a, a three year transition period. And, you know, that could be extended if there were concerned that if there had been, you know, uh, pesticides that had been used that would, you know, still be in the system, still be in the soil after three years, and that could be extended. But it's a, it's a minimum of a three-year transition period. Okay. Okay. And then that, yeah, goes with the soil. So great, great. So I do want to move on into some industry talk right now um, and what's going on. I know that... Uh, the Organic Trade Association had a survey come out this year and, and, and different things come out that continue to show how um, organic is growing and that uh, people are, are learning more and, and are, are concerned about what's going on with their food. Um, are you able to speak to the growth that is happening? Um, it's pretty consistent, correct? Yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah, our surveys continue to, um, to provide us with some just wonderful information. Um, you know, organic has... Um, uh, continues to be the the fastest growing sector in in all of of agriculture. Um, it's a, a thirty five billion um, dollar per year industry. Like I said, with over um, eighteen thousand five hundred certified operations nationwide. Um, in terms of of the market, um, the organic food sector experienced eleven and a half percent growth in two thousand thirteen, um, which is fantastic, and it's expected to continue to to grow by around eleven to twelve percent. A year for the next few years, um, the organic non-food sector um, also grew by by 12, uh, 12.8% in 2013, and it's um, continued. It's expected to have continued growth between um, 12 and 15% in the next few years. So um, that's that's it's fantastic. And you know, even through um, through the hard times, um, you know, through through economic recession, we've continued to at least remain steady, and we we continue to. To create jobs, and we have a real success story when we are when we are on hill, and we're you know we're trying to get the appropriations for the farm bill. Um, we are able to really share a very successful story about our continued ability to to create jobs and and grow grow this industry. Great, great, and that actually um, was a question that I did uh, forget to ask you earlier. Um, subsidies that are being given to, as, as you mentioned with the government, uh, g- being given to um, 
not uh, you know more conventional products and, and farmers that way. Can you can you address that? Um, organic doesn't get the same subsidies, correct? Um, I'll touch on it a little bit. Uh, it, okay. It's not squarely my area, um, okay. but I, I can say that you know under the passage of the recent farm bill, um, direct payments um, no longer exist for for all of agriculture, and the the price support is now under um, it's under the crop insurance scheme. Um, organic has never never been prohibited from these payments, but um, I guess you could say that it's um, the the policies at B have not built us into the system. So you, you know you might say that there's there's you know there's a bit of a bias against organic producers. Mm-hmm. So that you know that it's complex, and I definitely invite um, the listeners out there if they have more questions to to loop back around and, and contact. Laura Batcha, our executive director, who can speak much more eloquently to the to farm bill issues than I can. Okay. Okay. Great. Great. Um, and now I want to get into some current studies. And and Jessica, I saw on the Organic Center um, website that you had a current study, which um, if you can just touch on briefly about flame retardants found and um, they're bioaccumulating in birds' eggs. I know that this isn't totally um, organic, but it, it it is an area that I'm concerned about, and I, I wanted to ask you about that study. Sure. So that's actually um, not our study. That's one of the studies that we're communicating. And okay. there are actually a lot of studies coming out recently about flame retardants in specific. There was one that just came out yesterday by um, Duke University looking at the um, amounts of flame retardant exposure in humans. So they look, they compared adults um, with children and found that there are some flame retardants that have a 70% occurrence rate in children. That means children are getting exposed to, you know, each specific flame retardant at really high levels. And um, one of the problems is that those chemicals are getting used in things like crib mattresses um, and couches and chairs and a lot of different furniture. Um, And I actually had an opportunity, uh, and Gwendolyn was at this table with me um, at the OTA award ceremony. We sat with the owner of a company that makes organic mattresses. And so I had the opportunity to speak with him in depth about flame retardants. And um, he said that the main problem is that most furniture that we sleep on, sit on, et cetera, is made with a petroleum chemical. So we're basically sitting on um, fuel. So that's why a lot of uh, the legislature had been put in place, which has since been dismantled, at least in California, um, requiring flame retardants in some furniture. Now, when it comes to organic, organic doesn't use those petroleum, oil, gasoline chemicals in the construction of furniture. So it's all made with organic cotton, organic wool, and it's a lot less flammable. So not only are they not allowed to have any flame retardants or chemicals in there, but they also just don't burn very much because they're made with chemicals, um, with materials that aren't full of chemicals. Okay, great, great. And I um, yeah, thank you for bringing it back around to, to the organic side of um, things with, with other than just food because um, I'm passionate about the toxins in, in 
everything, you know, in our, in our furniture and, and the flame retardants is a, a big one that way. And, and you also touched on the uh, recent leadership awards that, that happened. And I believe that the, the company that you were, were referring to was Naturepedic, correct? That's right. Okay. Okay, great. And, and Gwen, I, I know there were a couple other people who were recently awarded at that same um, ceremony. Do you have the names of those people too? Sure. Right. Yeah. So the um, the ceremony it's it's OTA's um, annual Organic Leadership Award um, ceremony, and it's um, it's definitely something not to um, be missed. Um, it was something we established in in 1997, and it's it's our way of recognizing individuals that have made you know just fantastic contributions to the growth and expansion um, of organic. So each year we we recognize these uh, these movers and shakers at at this award ceremony, and as mentioned. Um, Barry Chick, who's with Naturopedic, Naturopedic, um, he was awarded um, the Rising Star Award. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have uh, the two other categories. Um, we have the Growing the Organic Industry Award, which was given out to Marty Mesh. Um, he's the executive director of Florida Certified Organic Growers and Consumers, and he has dedicated more than 40 years to organic agriculture. He has an incredible story to tell. He did um, just an amazing um, acceptance uh, uh, speech, uh, a manifesto, really. Um, And then the other award was given to um, Doug Crabtree, who is a farmer um, and an organic farm trainer um, from Montana. Um, So the Organic Farmer of the Year Award, um, Doug has, again, just done amazing things for um, organic agriculture um, all around and, uh, you know, just working tirelessly towards advancing the cause. So we were really excited about the awards that we, we gave out this year and every year, but it, it really was a fantastic event. Great, great. Um, I also want to touch on, as we're, we're nearing the end of the show here, but September is Organic Harvest Month, correct? September is Organic Harvest Month. You know, it's, uh, it's something we, we had a really fantastic 10-day um, social media, um, really, to, to kind of inspire and, and bring back um, Organic as a month to celebrate organic. Uh, it was a 10-day festival um, specific to social media. It uh, it reached over 15 million um, using the hashtag uh, hashtag organic festival. Um, more than 2,500 unique users posted um, OTA's organic palooza, which was the name, um, using mm-hmm. the content and artwork. Uh, we had more than 4,300 shares of organic palooza content on Facebook and uh, more than 16,250 individual posts with the hashtag Organic Festival. So we're, we're really looking forward to, to, to do this again, and, and next year it's just going to be bigger and better. And this year already we had, you know, each day of the 10-day festival, we were addressing topics um, like, you know, is organic trustworthy, um, organic and kids, taste of organic, um, you know, myth-busting Monday, and we had uh, Beyond Food um, uh uh, Tuesday, uh, focus on textiles. So lots of people participating and it, it really is fun. And, um, I encourage folks to, to look for it next year again. And right. I had the chance to, um, host one of those Twitter parties. And I have to say it was one of the most exciting things I have done in a long time. <laughs> They're pretty I wasn't fast. Expecting aren't they? <laughs> a, a social media party to be as exciting as it was, but there were just so many people who were engaged and asking questions, making comments. It was really fun. Right, right. Those those are fun, and they move along. They're they're fast that way, definitely. Um, we are nearing our time, so I do want to um, 
give you both the opportunity uh, to, to mention how the audience can contact you um, through your, your website or, or on Twitter or things like that, if you could each um, mention your, your sites that way. Absolutely. Um, I can be found, and the rest of um, OTA's fabulous staff can be found at ota.com. Uh, All of our uh, staff contacts can be found under um, About OTA. Our Twitter handle is at Organic Trade. That's capital O for organic and capital T for trade, all one word. And we're also on Facebook. Great, great. And Jessica? Our website is organic-center.org, and um, you can go there to look around. We have summaries of all the latest research. You can read about the um, projects that we're doing. You can also sign up for our newsletter, which has we send out once a month, and it has summaries of all the things that we've been up to and all the most recent um, research that's of interest to the organic community. Great, great. Well, I just I want to thank you so much for both of you for coming on. This has been um, great education for everyone, and um, I really appreciate it. So I want to thank the listeners for for joining us today. And and again, our guests are Dr. Jessica Shea with the Organic Center and Gwendolyn Wired with the Organic Trade Association. And again, their websites, Jessica can be found at organic-center.org. And Gwen can be found at OTA.com. And I'd also like to invite you to visit my website at www.livingnaturaltoday.com and download your free resource guide about minimizing toxins. Now, next week, we're going to be having fellow Voice America radio show host Dan Salat and Angelique with the blog Green Dream Home to speak about toxins in our home and, and safe remodeling. Until then, I pray that all you might all you may go well. I'm sorry. I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health. See you next week. Thank you for joining Teresa Jungling for this week's edition of Living Natural Today, out with toxins, in with your health. Please tune in again next Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll see you next week.